0: You're listening to the best of Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm not going to lie to you, Kevin. I thought to myself on the way in, I'll just let Kev do the whole thing, and Boo and I will sit and have extra cereal this morning. <laughs> right?
1: Uh, Karen query's 80th birthday will be forever remembered. <laughs> <laughs> the day that the uh, world of golf changed for good. Yeah, I think I have 1,037 questions for Will Haskett coming up at 830. What a day yesterday um, for the sport that I love, certainly. 1001, um, 1002. I mean, right? Like, literally. Yeah, just right, as after signed, got off, right after we signed. Right after we off the air, literally. Just as we signed off, I, I would say my initial shock was wait a minute. Is the PGA Tour announcing a merge? And boy, you got to love the word merge with Live Golf, and they're making the announcement on CNBC. Like, not the Golf Channel, not at a PJ Tour event, not with Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods and Scotty Scheffler sitting up there on a podium. No, no, no. CNBC, which I think tells you everything you need to know about what went, went down here. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about this a ton today. I do think it's a huge day, by the way, for the Pacers and draft workouts, and we could get some clarity on the Isaiah Rogers situation. We'll chat about that. But Jake, more than anything, yesterday, Jay Monahan. P.J. Tour Commissioner, and I guess CEO of whatever this new entity is going to be, he did what we try to do on the show. And it wasn't the entertainment aspect, it was the educational aspect. And what he educated us with was money doesn't talk, money doesn't win, money is undefeated. No matter how much blood is on that money, it is absolutely undefeated, soulless, absolute hypocrite Jay Monahan uh, money is undefeated 72 dolphins 76 Hoosiers having a baby that is money and that is what we were learned. that's what we found out yesterday and maybe I should have known that for the previous 32 and a half years of my life
0: the um to me th- this is the risk Kevin and I I want to I want to be careful to not be like I want to be sensitive to and respectful of and I mean this sincerely the passion that golf fans have for the sport because I follow golf obviously I mean I work in sports my dad and my sister are avid golf viewers they absolutely love it I know what it means to people for whatever reason it's like butter pecan ice cream to me. I know people enjoy it, and it's okay, but I don't go out of my way for butter pecan ice cream. Yeah. And that's how golf is to me. I don't know why, but that's just how it is. But I can respect what it means to people. The thing that I fear for the sport of golf, which has never had a 20-year run of relevance like it's had the last 20 years, right? Right my fear for golf would be this and that is that people like me now are going to completely check out the the i'm not saying there are a lot of me i think i'm in the minority but the people that are like oh i enjoy watching the masters i i enjoy watching the pga and if it's a rainy sunday and i'm flipping channels yeah i'll watch one of the fedex cup or you know whatever whatever it's called i, I don't even know but you know like a non major so to speak I think there are a lot of people like that, like me now, that are going to be like, "Yeah, I have no interest in it. I, this is run by like Saudi Arabia, and it's just it's not." Do you, the you say wholesome... that more
1: from a moralistic standpoint?
0: A little bit. Now, I, I you know what? I've never been one, Kevin, that has been overly involved or concerned with ownership groups politics etc right, right but but this this just feels different it feels greasy yeah, it, it feels gross yep. mm-hmm. it feels yeah um, i
1: haven't showered in the coke lot for three days that, yeah that's
0: what it. Feels I, I, like. I mean it does and and it also and this is what happened and i i hate making this analogy because i i realize how obvious and lazy and whatever it it sounds but it, it It feels a little bit like like what happened in open wheel racing when it split was and then it came back together was by then people were just kind of like yeah i've moved on to something else and it was too confusing to me now this wasn't the case here because they weren't split long enough right right but there is a lot of confusion yeah and so the confusion i think makes it i have two choices here okay I have two choices. One is that I sit down and I painstakingly learn this new math. Or the other is that I say, I don't need this new math and I move on. I already did the former once. I'm not going to do it again. Like, I, I do think that there are people that are going to say, yeah, this all now to me, I can't... So who's who exactly is in charge and which goal? Like, how are they going to... How are tournaments going to be handled? And I just... I'm gonna go watch. I, I'm really, I've really been enjoying college baseball lately, and that's gonna be my new thing, or whatever it might be. I don't think ultimately that that's going to be the long term. I think people will get over it, but I can't deny Kevin that it just feels gross. Yeah, it it does,
1: and I don't want to act like you know I'm sitting here carrying some moral flag 365 days, 24 seven around the clock. But I have some major issues on that side of it. I also have a ton of issues just from a competition standpoint. That's why I hated Live probably more than anything. I thought it was a glorified exhibition series tour. Um, I have always enjoyed the meritocracy element of the PGA Tour, and you earn what you get. You make a cut, and you earn more status. You don't, you're not going to get into the majors. Uh, What golf has an issue with, among other things, first off, Jake, this is a PGA Tour-Saudi merger. So, when they play the U.S. Open next week, Jake, that has no bearing on that. Golf is run by five different governing bodies, and that is an issue. None of the majors are affected by yesterday's news. The Masters, the U.S. Open, the British Open, and the PGA Championship, right. the four majors, are all run by separate governing bodies, which is confusing in itself. This is a PGA Tour, so think of all the other tournaments throughout the year. Think of uh, you know the Players' Championship, and last week, Jack Nicklaus's tournament, those tournaments. So, the confusion is there. I do think, and I don't know when we'll get there, because frankly, I think yesterday's news was lap one of 200 laps. We, we need to run the race to get clarity on what this means. To your point, Jake, who runs it? What's the schedule look like? Where are these events going to be played? All those things. I do think this is the first step in getting all parties on the same golf course. Uh, like understood, Kepka, DJ. Patrick Reed, those guys now playing golf on a somewhat consistent basis with Rory, with Scotty Shetler, with John Rahm. And for the golf fan, that probably is a good thing. But again, I have no idea how we get from yesterday's extremely vague press release with not a lot of clarity to oh yeah, these guys are going to play 16 tournaments a year and uh, they are going to have some team events with it. There's going to be some 54-hole events. There's going to be no cuts, this and that. It's just very confusing
0: to it all. Kevin, two things here. Andrew points this out. This will be water under the bridge in a month and people will still watch golf. I don't disagree with that amongst the diehards. And there's a lot of diehards. So, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. But here is... Okay, this is the best way that I can say it. And after I say it, Kevin, I want you to tell me as a major golf enthusiast like you are, if you think I'm being extreme, okay? When when the NFL, which is the 8,000-pound gorilla in this country from a sports standpoint, the only time that the NFL has really taken a PR hit and been at jeopardy of people indeed not watching it. What was the backbone reason for that? Five years ago or so. Uh, Players kneeling? Correct. I don't want politics in my sports, right? Yeah. When the NBA started getting backlash from people on talk radio and letters to the editor and, and tweets and whatever else... What was the reason for that?
1: Yeah, more of a public I don't stance want, on social issues. Just shut matter. up and dribble. Yeah. I
0: don't want politics in my sports. I watch sports to get away from politics. I watch sports to get away from the real world. I don't want to hear about politics in my sports. I I don't care if that's what you think, but I don't need to know it. That This is the narrative, right? And now... Many of the people who follow golf, the the reason they followed it to a great extent was they are also the the, the same group that didn't want politics in their sports. Now, there is no sport in the United States that has a greater immediate association to politics than professional golf.
1: The PGA Tour is sport washing. That's what they're doing for the Saudis. Right. They are continuing to cover up the... Issues that that region has had for multiple decades. The 9-11 element to it, I think, is beyond damning. And again, it goes back to my Jay Monahan thoughts at the start of the definition of a hypocrite. Absolutely soulless in what he did with 9-11 families over the past year. And then to turn his back on them like that in one of the more slimy manners I've ever seen. Uh, that is really hard for me to grasp. And there's part of me, Jake, that has to admit, do I just accept scandal? I watched the World Cup. I watched the Olympics. There's a lot of scandal in the IOC. There's a lot of scandal in FIFA. I think, again, the Saudis, to me, and their involvement in 9-11 takes it to another level. That's me personally. Um, but it just it, it, it is slimy. It, it, that's where I'm at. Um, I do think there is still a lot of confusion. I was texting last night with a member of the PJ Tour, He's actually a top 100 player in the world. And I go, you know, from what you know right now, give me your thoughts. And he texted back this. getting top 100 player in the world, been on the PGA Tour for several years. Um, he said this. Shocked more than anything. I can't really comment intelligently until we find out further details. Long-term, I would think it has to be good for golf as a whole. I think there's a good chance something happened behind the scenes that we may never know about that really pushed this deal through, although it still has to be voted on by the board members. Sounds like live is over after 2024. Um, Again, P.J. tour player top 100 player in the world sharing that with me last night the the board and the policy and you know yasir all and i butcher his last name every time the governor of the public investment fund the one that is you know in charge of all this money that they're bringing to the P.J. tour he's now the chairman jay monahan P.J. tour commissioner is now the ceo and there's a policy board in place so how does all that play out over time do we see the chairman the saudis push people off that policy board that he doesn't want and wants his people on it does it become a saudi majority or does it stick to a pj tour majority like it is right now um, i think that is a question that i have and jake it might be but, premature but kevin
0: what did you say at the beginning what's undefeated it's money yeah there's your answer right so yes it it will
1: be eventually saudis that, that that's kind of where I, i'm i'm guessing It might be premature for this, Jake, but what we saw yesterday was really the Saudis getting their first inroads into American sports. We've seen some stuff in the English Premier League with Newcastle United, one of the teams. We've seen some F1 involvement. Cristiano Ronaldo now plays for a Saudi soccer team. Yesterday was the first major inroads into whatever the Western Hemisphere, however you want to describe it. Because basically the Saudis wanted want to do this. They want to say, Oh wow, all those companies over there that partner with the PGA Tour, I want to seat at the table with them. That that's what they're doing. Well I, I want to introduce our economy to them. So that's what they've done with this deal yesterday is say, okay you guys have this established brand with all these companies that we really love and we have no ties to. We'd like to get in on that. That was the goal yesterday. And they did that with all the money they have. Now the question for me also becomes this. Do we see some sort of Saudi ownership group, AKA the public investment fund. Do we see them own a major league baseball team in the next five to 10 years? Do we see them try to buy an NBA team? Yeah, and do those leagues... Uh, Allow that. Yeah. Major League Baseball could use some revenue right now. You think the... Uh, Insert your joke about the athletics, by the way. They scored, I think, 11 runs yesterday. Uh, transition. You think some of those bottom feeder teams in Major League Baseball could use $40 billion from the public investment fund? That, I think, is something you have to acknowledge. And will we ever get to a point... I don't think we will because it's such a brotherhood and a fraternity, but to the earlier point, money is undefeated. Do we ever get to a point, maybe it's 20 years down the road, where you've got Saudi investment into multiple NFL teams? and wh- How does that look? How does that all play out? Because what yesterday told me is the PGA Tour will have some events in that part of the world coming up very soon. And the goal is to wine and dine big-time American businesses and try to tap into our economy and partners when does that start to sprinkle into one of the four big professional
0: sports leagues here in the u.s i'm i'm simply gonna say this and i'll, I'll try to limit saying this to once an hour because i don't it's not a can of worms i want to get into nor do people want us to so long as we have people who are seen as leaders of this country who prioritize or determine Success or morality based on how much money it brings in, then this is the path that this country will always be headed. I'll simply say it that way. So long as we have people who prioritize the bottom line, and and it's always been about the bottom line to an extent I get it. Right, right. But we also had in this country a very defined limit on we have we always in this country had a price tag on our scruples. And we had a price tag. our Our values didn't have a price tag, I should say. We always had a very defined separation of the difference between, yes, it's great to make money. however, You have to have principle with it. That was always an American foundation. But that has gone away. And now that we have. Now that there is voice out there that says winning is defined by how much money you make, then this is the direction that a percentage of this country is going to be willing to take. And so. It opens up a whole different Pandora's box. Yeah, the morsels of mor-
1: morality evaporated yesterday. And maybe I was naive and living in a fairy tale world to think that that still mattered. Um, and I also kind of laugh at people that are like, well, I mean, boy, did live win yesterday. Live wasn't working, the money funding it was working. Correct. That's correct. Liv wasn't about golf. It wasn't about competition. It was about sport washing, and it was about trying to tap into our economy and our power brokers. You
0: know what it was, Kevin? No one
1: was watching. No one was caring. They weren't winning in in court. Players were complaining about it over there. Numerous higher-ups within Liv was leaving, but they had endless pools of cash. Liv was the big college booster, Jake, that says the athletic department, you want the new weight room? Then
0: my son is a walk-on. Kevin, that—that's that, what Live was. No, Live was the Trojan horse. Live was the Saudis' way of saying we want to overtake a sports league in the United States so we're going to go ahead and create this sham league that people think is going to be a competition we know it ain't going to work we know that this is not going to have longevity or legs to it but what it's going to do is they're going to figure out by us failing and not having a TV contract and still being around and giving out money that is to an obscene amount we are going to send the message to the PGA we're not going away and we're going to force them to say you know what we're, we're, as long as we're losing people over there and they don't seem to care that they're throwing gaboons of money and taking our stars away, holy cow, they have unlimited capital and so they're not going to go away. We need to, to take care of this. And so th- Live was a creation by that group to be able to facilitate for them to take over the sport of golf. That's what it was.
1: Yeah. And I cannot stress this enough. Jay Monahan, a absolute soulless fraud um, pleaded, begged for the likes of Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods and whoever else you want to throw into that group to get in the bunker with them, to stand up for the PJ Tour, do it in a very public stance, to call out Liv, to turn away millions. and I mean, we're talking a half billion Rory potentially turned down. Tiger, nearly a billion he turned down. And now all of a sudden, because the comma grew, and another zero is added onto it. He goes behind their back. He does this in a very shady manner. Announces it on CNBC. And potentially, Jake, we're going to have the likes of again, Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka who took the money and we'll see what the ramifications are, but there's probably a good chance they come back to the PJ Tour without any sort of punishment. Right. And, and a bunch of money, right? And a bunch of money. So, yeah, I uh boy, what a day. I think what you a- ever see Tiger again? That's what I thought of. Yeah, you know, again, Mark, the majors being separate from the PGA Tour at Tiger's point of his career, we, we, we probably will see him in that those settings, but, um, you know, it sounded like based off the PGA tour's playing in Canada this week. They had a players meeting yesterday afternoon. We'll play some audio coming up from that here in a little bit, but I saw a player tweet out there was a standing ovation in the room uh, asking for Jay Monahan to be fired. Yeah, I think that tells you probably everything that you need to know with this. Now, how player run is this tour? They say it is. Clearly it wasn't with yesterday's meeting. Uh, Will Haskinson joins joints at 8.30. Again, tons and tons of questions on that end. Steven Holder at 8 o'clock. Jake, it is an open OTA for the Colts coming up here later today. Shane Steichen is scheduled to meet the media. Uh, I get that this investigation is ongoing but Chris ballard has got to be at that podium right and not Shane Steichen to talk about Isaiah Rogers
0: we're still gathering the facts
1: right this is more of an organizational thing than Shane Steichen two and a half months on the job he probably had two conversations with Isaiah Rogers in his life Isaiah Rogers did all these things reportedly under Chris Ballard's watch not I
0: I think a very watch I'm not saying it's their fault. But I think a thing that's going to be hard for fans to grasp that's a kind of damning concept for the Colts, I mean a blip, it's not like some huge thing, but is the fact that it appears as though Isaiah Rodgers was well aware of this investigation for weeks, if not months, before the Colts even found out about it. And it also appears as though the Colts found out about this like the same time you and I did.
1: Is the only reason we haven't seen Rodgers cut yet simply like legality with the NFLPA?
0: I would assume. I mean, he hasn't been cited or charged right, 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 publicly. Right. Charged is the wrong word. But but in the in the court of the NFL law, he, he has not been... He outed himself, but he hasn't been outed.
1: Yeah, the league is not issued anything on that end. So, I'll be out there later today. We can chat about that. And as snuck in there amidst a lot of live and Saudi golf combo, uh, the Pacers have two solo workouts today. It just happens to be the two prospects that I am probably the biggest fans of for the Pacers at number 7. Um, so, we saw last week with Cam Whitmore. A
0: bit, your, your campaign last year worked with Benedict Matherin. Yeah, the,
1: these are... Uh, I'm not quite on the Benedict Mathern train with either of them, but if I'm getting on a train with anybody here, these would be the two guys. Uh, and again, two solo workouts coming up later today. We'll explain who those prospects are. Cam Whitmore from Villanova was last week. When the Pacers have the solo workouts, that means these guys feel like they are top 10 picks. Uh, how was your mom's 80th Do you have a face FaceTimer from Hilton Head?
0: Uh, She sent me a text late and then uh, apparently the condo where the entire family was staying There was some wiring issue and the fire department showed up in the middle of my mom's party And I made a joke that maybe it was because of 80 candles and then that was like the extent of it Uh, This is weird now you tell me if I should read into this my mom's birthday yesterday Every year my family meaning my parents my two sisters my sister-in-law my brother-in-law my niece nephew whatever they all go to Hilton Head. It's a, a week-long trip that, that's like this big tradition and they always seem to plan it around weeks where I have races. Now, like 3 months ago when I asked what year is what week is Hilton Head this year, they said, "Oh, we're leaving uh, the like the Friday before the Indy 500 and then staying through until like the next Saturday. Would you be able to come?" And I said, well, probably not. That's a fairly busy weekend for me. And then the, I have the Detroit race. And that's that's where we stood. For Every time I asked, they kept saying, we're leaving the Friday before the Indy 500. And then all of a sudden, the Indy 500 rolls around and it, everybody looks like they're here. And I find out it actually is this week that they went. So I, I think maybe this was all a smokescreen to keep hmm. me here while they all went and played in hilton head should i be reading into this well i can't say i disagree
1: with some of their thought process (laughs) you did just remember it was your mom's birthday on that end that day no no no.
0: i know my mom's birthday is june matter of fact that was some awkward audio yesterday no let me tell you this let me tell you that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree several years ago i stopped by my parents house I, i have a key to the house obviously they were gone i walk in the alarm is going off so i have to go over and hit the code to turn off the alarm to let the police and the fire department know yes i am legitimately here my dad had told me your mother's birthday is the code i shouldn't even be saying this now to people i guess wow. but, Jeez, boy. man you want to you want to reveal the address so to you while you're at it <laughs> it's your so, social security number. so i go in and i punch it in and nothing happens nothing happens nothing happens now all of a sudden the police show up the fire department shows up everything i said dad what the hell you told me it was mom's birthday and he goes well it is june 3rd i said dad mom's birthday is not june 3rd Oh boy so come on now cut me some slack even my dad, but I knew my mom's birthday was June 6th I did not realize yesterday was the 6th does that make
1: sense uh, yeah, I don't know mm. if I can fully endorse your take on that yeah. end of it Uh he is Jake Corey I'm Kevin Bowen Mark Dykton as always uh, guys a little overcast right
0: raining this morning when I got in it's supposed to be beautiful by noon, 77, not a cloud in the sky by 1 p.m.
1: Quite the debut last night in Cincinnati. The Reds continue to play. Well, I guess they, were, they weren't they were great over the weekend, but they're certainly better than the Cubs. Uh, hell of an atmosphere last night for the Reds. They went in a walk-off, and again, a big-time debut for them. Fever, of Boston continues to be very good at basketball. They lose a close one. Uh, and tonight, Game 3 of the NBA Finals, Denver. Two and a half point favorite. Just did our, our whole morning check down, Mark. Begins Do here. What are you even doing next week? <laughs> you know, if, for people that go into work at 728, make sure we kind of cover our bases there. All right, fair enough. Stephen Holder, 8 o'clock, Will Haskett, 830. Kevin Aquari on a Wednesday. Quite the newsy Wednesday here in the first full week of June. Again, a big workout coming up later today for the Pacers. We'll touch on that a little bit more on the live Saudi golf front at 8.30 with Will Haskett. But the other big news item that we focused a lot of yesterday's show on was Isaiah Rogers and the NFL investigating him for a violation of the league's gambling policy. Stephen Holder was all over it, and he joins us now from ESPN.com. Stephen, today we are scheduled to hear from Shane Steichen. It is an open OTA session. We get one of these a week. It just happened to fall on this Wednesday. So really the first time that important people in the Colts organization uh, will publicly speak about this. What details do you think we'll get, slash, do you think Chris Ballard will take the podium, given the fact that this theoretically happened under his watch and Isaiah Rogers is a draft pick and Shane Steichen has known him for two months?
2: Right. So, yeah, I do I do think that Shane Steichen will, will at least have to address the matter at least in a roundabout way. Uh, whether he takes it head on, I don't know. Uh, they can kind of fall back on uh, a truth, which is that the the investigation is ongoing. So that's that's kind of the one part of it where they have a little bit of an out. On the other hand, Isaiah Rogers has kind of owned this, you know, with his statement. And you know, it, it's it's not a guilty plea, but it you know it, it is a guilty plea. It just doesn't specify what he's guilty of. <laughs> he didn't but, deny uh, anything it, in that statement exactly exactly so it's basically a guilty plea you know now we can get into the weeds about well did you do this versus that but he he violated the policy very it appears he violated the policy and that is what we were told at espn.com as well so uh including betting on his own team so anyway to your point to your question i think shane steichen he can't get up there. I don't think he can get up there and say, you know, we're not going to talk about that. We're here, we're just here to talk about football. I mean, he could. I just think that would be a bad look. I think he has to get up there and he has to at least talk about how they are handling this this topic generally. They have lots of other players on the roster and this is uh, hopefully not the first time they've had to talk about gambling. I hope they have talked about this at length. So I think that's the area where he needs to be up front and talk about how they they handle this topic with their players and what kinds of messages they they give them. I know that they talk about it, and I know that they they should know the rules. So I think that's what he needs to impress upon people when he talks today. Steven,
0: do you believe that –
2: I guess a two-part question here.
0: I would assume that the Colts have concern – that this is not an isolated incident and that's not to say that there's any evidence that it is that it is not right. you know what I mean but but just naturally you would so to what level do you think they are now trying to explore that to make sure that they don't get kind of blindsided again which I think they were in this case and then secondly do you believe it is an isolated incident in terms of player
2: well first off they, they certainly were, were blindsided that is true and in fact uh, when when this was unfolding on Monday, I was talking to someone in the organization, a very high-ranking person who you'd know, and they were getting information from me, which I thought was just amazing. Um, but because the NFL just never provided them with any information about this. They, they did not know the investigation was ongoing. They had not been briefed on it. The The leak came from... We believe, it appears, the leak initially came from uh, the, the gaming industry sources or, you know, someone in that realm and not from the NFL side. So, yeah, they were certainly blindsided by it. And it's a, that's a terrible place to be as an organization, right, when you have a huge story. I mean, they had the top story in the, in the NFL for at least that day and had no knowledge that it was, that it was coming. It wasn't like some contract extension they'd been working on and and the news got out. No, they had no control over this and no knowledge of it. So that's a terrible feeling. If you're the Colts, I think you are moving heaven and earth right now to, to talk to your players and communicate with your players, plead with your players. Look, please learn from this <laughs> and please make sure you're not the next guy. Now, I think that probably needs to be true in every NFL facility right now. Uh, you know, one of the things, uh, JMV and I talked about this yesterday, and, and I was, as I was talking through it, it, it kind of registered with me. I just think the access to, to online uh, betting is just so easy. The mobile betting is so easy. The access is so easy and so casual that it doesn't feel like a big deal you know, to a, to a young man, I would imagine. Right. And some of these guys are kids, you know, Isaiah Rogers has been, this is his fourth year in the NFL. He's not a, he's not a little kid, but I'm just saying, you know, you are dealing with very young men in in a lot of cases and it it can feel very casual and not a big deal. I don't care. Like personally, it's not a moral thing. I, I don't give a damn. You can bet as much as you want. I don't have any opposition to that morally. I'm just talking about it from a football perspective I, you can almost understand why it doesn't feel like a big deal. Ah, I'm just betting 50 bucks in my friend's name. Eh, what's the big deal? But they have they have protocols, they have mechanisms set up to catch you. Because the NFL, they cannot risk it. They are not going to put their the integrity of the game at risk. And they don't care who you are. You are not bigger than the game in the end. And so they're not going to risk it. and And these teams at this point, I mean... I think if you're a coach, I mean, I don't know if you can do this, but I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about all kinds of things as if maybe you just tell your players, "Hey, listen, delete the apps, get the hell off of those things. We don't want to deal with it. Just it's not worth it." I mean, I don't know how the union would feel about that. Right. But,
0: but Stephen, I'd say. the the irony to me is the fact that the NFL wants to uphold the integrity of the game, but in reality, isn't the NFL actually making sure that they are upholding the integrity of the wagers of their consumer base.
2: Well, fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, look, the integrity of the game is not completely unrelated. You no, know, it is it is a factor there. Yes, because the, the last thing you want is to ever 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 you know, give the question or raise the question that that someone may do something to impact the outcome of a game. That has not been even remotely suggested here i'm just saying that's they're trying not to go down that that slippery slope right i understand that Stephen holder what you do too
1: sorry about that Stephen. Sorry? uh steven uh-huh. holders with us from espn.com Stephen, the fact that it's isaiah rogers stands out to me for these reasons if you were to have if you and i had this conversation which we have a lot of conversations regarding the colts but if we were to like sit here and be like Most important season for a player coming up in 2023, and you were going to make a list of Colts you, in my opinion, you would have put Rodgers very high on that list. And again, there's several reasons why. First off, he's a six-round pick that made it to the end of his rookie contract, and I should still speak in present tense, has made it to it, and he's due more than $2 million this year. That's a big payday and a big increase from what he was making. It's a contract year, obviously. He plays a position where there's very little answers, short-term and long-term. When he's gotten playing time, he has shown some promise. It, it, I don't want to act like it's decimating to the Colts season, but man, you talk about a dude that just risked millions of his future and a golden opportunity for $25 and $50 bets. I mean, boy, the level
2: of stupidity is hard to ignore. I just, I don't get it, man. It's it's so disappointing. You know, I'm not, it's not about being preachy here. I'm not. Yeah, this is not I'm a not practice squad
1: guy, is what I'm getting at. This yeah. is not the oh, for the, sure. the 13th man. This not a backup punter on the
2: practice squad. It's disappointing on a hundred levels, you know, because of all the ones you outlined. I, I do think you make a great point. From a personal perspective, I mean, we saw Isaiah Rogers show up. And how many six-round picks have gotten picked in your time covering this team, Kevin, right? I mean, I don't even know what the number is. And I can't even name all of them, okay? Because they never stick around. <laughs> they never make it. Right. Very rarely, okay? And here, as you said, here's a guy who did make it to the end of that contract, plays out the whole contract, or is about to at least, um, and and has a golden opportunity. They cut Stephon Gilmore, or excuse me, trade Stephon Gilmore. You're probably his replacement. And you have this wonderful opportunity. I mean, do you know what a sort of middling starting veteran quarterback makes in the NFL? <laughs> I mean, you can make you know four or five, six million dollars a year, for, and not be like that good. You can just be starting level and make that kind of money. And and all of it's in jeopardy now for for Isaiah Rodgers. And then there is the impact to the team. Uh, one of the things that or one of the questions that had been asked quite a bit last year was why wasn't Isaiah Rogers playing in, in many instances? And there were there were many times when we thought that maybe he should have been out there over someone else who shall not be named. <laughs> and and that was because people saw his talent and his potential. and And maybe the team was starting to agree with that because they were going to put him out there. And this opportunity was gonna be his. He was gonna have an opportunity to to really make his case as a as a free agent next year to the Colts and to thirty one other teams. And now I don't know. I mean we have to assume the worst at this point.
0: You know what, Steven? I I totally get it. I'm not here to exonerate Isaiah Rogers or to apologize for him, but I totally get it. When I was, and I know that it's easy for people to say like, well, what an idiot he was, I'm not saying you guys, but you know, I mean, just yeah. the narrative in general, he's this guy had millions and he, he wasted it on 50 bucks. I totally get it. And I'll tell you why. I was a train wreck until I was like twenty nine years old. Yeah. I I wasn't going out and and doing a bunch of drugs. I wasn't going out and, and getting involved in like, you know, criminal activity. But I had I had no comprehension or grasp of how my actions what they meant long term. And I can only imagine what it would be like. I have no idea Isaiah Rogers' background, but I have no idea what it would be like at 23, 24 years old to suddenly make you know, huge money and, and seemingly have that all right there where now all of a sudden the rules don't necessarily apply. They can tell you the rules apply to you. They can tell you all you want. I knew when I was 17 years old that I grew up in an environment with loving parents that things that would sink a lot of people probably didn't sink me. So, like, I half listened to the rule. I was aware of the rules. I didn't grasp the rules. And yeah. for this, for players in today's NFL, Stephen, I'll be honest with you, you can't swing a dead cat in an NFL stadium and not see an ad for any of five different gambling apps you can't go on the website of one without seeing it you can't watch a game without seeing a hundred different commercials and if you are a player i can totally see why the desensitized legality nature of the sports gambling that is ubiquitous around you would suddenly creep into your conscious of just simply feeling like that means the penalty and the ramification of it doesn't apply to you and for me to sit here and act like i wouldn't have done the exact same thing when i was that age or fallen victim to it is totally in my opinion not naive of who i was now that's just me but i can totally see why it happens
1: yeah but jake did you have two and a half million sitting there in year four and the chance to make generation if i had two and a half
0: million sitting there in year four kevin it would further cement to me the fact that i'm bulletproof
1: Would, would you risk it though for twenty-five and 50 dollars, i wouldn't
0: have had the wherewithal of the mature i'm i'm being honest about me now i and i'm an anomaly i realize but i was not mature enough to think about kevin the long-term impact of it uh, yes yeah, to you, answer you your question yes i would have because i was equation. too
2: immature what's that Stephen? Yeah, so that equation that kevin laid out there that that wasn't something that would register with you i, I get what you're saying and i would say look i mean I'll, I'll cop to it, right? I mean, I was young once. <laughs> it was a long time ago, but like, you know, I'm, I'm a 22 year old kid in, in South Florida, you know, and hanging out on South Beach on Friday night. Should I have taken a cab home a few times? Yeah, probably, you know, but did I think about what was at stake? No, not really, cause I was an idiot. And so there is, there is that aspect. And I'm not speaking for Isaiah Rogers. I'm just speaking for, you know, generally how, how these things happen. I I do understand that. Uh, I do think, though, on the, the devil's advocate side, is I think when you are in the NFL, and whether it's Isaiah Rodgers or anyone else, when you are in the NFL, I do think you it, there's a there's a little bit of a sobering up, if you will, to continue the metaphor, I guess, um, where you understand you start to understand the stakes, and you know that you are held to a different standard, all of those things, whether it be gambling or anything else, right? You, you, you tend to understand that a little bit better because you now live a different life and you have a different set of circumstances than most people your age. So I, I like to think that that's, that's true, but I also agree that they are inundated. We are all inundated with uh, sports betting everywhere you look, everywhere you you, you online, on TV, everywhere. And and as I said earlier, I really think one of the big things is the accessibility to it. It's just so easy. It's so, so easy. You know, I mean, I was watching the Kentucky Derby a few weeks back. I couldn't name a horse in this thing. OK, and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I downloaded an app and I'm going to place a bet. Right. You know, and it's like I, I think I lost. 40 bucks. I don't know. I'm not, my kids aren't going to miss a meal, right? It's not a big deal. But that was so easy. Maybe too easy. I don't know, you know? So I think that's part of it. It's just so, so accessible.
1: Steven, last one for me. And again, Steven Holder, ESPN.com, with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Uh, I guess before I get to my question, could you lay out again from a timeline standpoint, you believe the Colts did not know about this, and I should say Colts slash NFL did not know about this until earlier this week, but Isaiah Rogers knew about it dating back several months?
2: Well, no, the NFL did know, because uh, they, they were conducting, they have been, from our information, have been conducting the investigation. So for why don't they tell the Colts? Well, that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out. And I think this is kind of um, typical, I guess, of, of how this works, um, where they go through the process, and then when they have their findings, I guess they report it to the team. That's my understanding of it. So I was told that that's not that unusual. The reason these things get out, though, is the, the NFL has to employ other agencies and entities to kind of get to the bottom of it. The NFL doesn't have access to to bank accounts or... Or you know betting accounts, etc. So they have to employ third parties to kind of help them get the the evidence and and track it down. So so that's how this all comes together. But no, the Colts. That is correct to to answer your question. They were not aware until Monday is my understanding
1: okay and then uh, we're going to have Dave Burkett on tomorrow I know he's a colleague of yours or um, covers the Lions and the Lions have been a a handful of guys have gotten in trouble for gambling so I kind of want to get Dave's perspective on on how that came to fruition and, and just you know they've had guys that were suspended different lengths, etc. One of the questions I want to ask Dave, and I'll throw it your way, and I don't know if you know this, so um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not expecting you to know. Do we know exactly kind of how Isaiah got caught? Like, is this a geolocation thing affiliated with the um team complex and if you do it at the team complex, boom, it, you know, sparks something with these betting apps and they contact the third parties to your point. I, I guess I'm just more curious from a I don't know, an FBI sense or a CIA sense, how he got caught.
2: Yeah, there is a little bit of a you know, CSI angle to this, you know, and, and I don't know that answer, but you you actually raise one possibility. If he if he did do it from the the team facility that would set off alarms because that's something that they, they look for that is explicitly prohibited. And that is, I I believe two or three of the players caught up in the last wave were popped because they bet on other sports from the team facility. And that is a no, no. Now they got lesser suspensions than players who bet on actual NFL games because the, the, Violation was not considered to be at the same level. It's still a violation, though. I I believe they got six games, those guys. So that's still a pretty significant suspension. Here, the allegation is that we believe he bet on NFL games and perhaps Colts games, which is basically the absolute worst offense. So it it won't be good if, if that's established, if the NFL can establish that, then that's the key. If the NFL can establish that, it's not going to be good for, for Isaiah Rodgers. But, no, I do not know specifically how he got caught. But I think what we, what we can say is that the NFL has processes in place that really, really are, are reliable, apparently, because it can catch guys uh, who are doing these things in, in not a, an obvious way, apparently.
0: Steven, in your opinion, on in the grand scheme... On a scale of Dominic Rhodes whizzing himself in a cop car to the Pacers Brawl, this will stick to the image of the franchise how much or for how long?
2: Oh, I don't think it necessarily tarnishes the franchise. I I think it's it's more a matter of they've had they've had an interesting past year. So you know, I had a colleague (laughs) text me something along those lines, man it's always something out of left field with your team. And, and, I, and I was like, you know, that's a fair point. Um, and then, and really that hasn't been true for years and years, but it's been true recently, I guess, you know? you know, whether, and that was clearly a reference to last season, lots of crazy things happening. So I don't think it sticks to the franchise necessarily. I, I do think that this is an individual decision, uh, not anything organizational. So I don't worry about that part so much, uh, particularly because, Isaiah Rogers is, while he's an important player for the Colts, he's not a household name. So I, I think that is, you know, the reason. Now, if it were more like a Detroit situation where they had five players caught up, then you become synonymous with this kind of story. Uh, that I don't think is the case here. See, I'll, I'll tell you what, a good thing.
0: in my opinion, just my opinion, but here's what I can see in, in the Jake Quarry crystal ball here, okay? Hmm. I'm going to merge both of our big stories this morning into one. The Saudi Arabian money in golf (laughs) a year and a half ago was inconceivable and grotesque and mortifying to virtually everyone, and now that they have gotten their hands firmly on golf... The answer from a lot of people is, yeah, but it's everywhere. I, I, I yeah. mean, the, 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 just just accept it. I mean, the Saudi money, This it's not a big deal. They better, they, 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 they're they've involved in everything. It's just it's 100%. just how it is, right? Yeah. Right now, we are mortified at the thought of a guy using a sports gambling app in the NFL and getting suspended for it. And I have a feeling in a year, we're going to say, yeah, it's kind of everywhere, though. I, I mean, yeah, give the guy a break. Slap him on the wrist, but it's everywhere
2: our no, it's our not a terrible prediction our barometer yeah. changes man yeah it's not a terrible prediction I, I think i actually feel like there's there it could go either way i actually think and then when i say that what i mean is i think the nfl could either go that direction and say okay look guys do whatever you want just do not bet on your games which whatever i don't know how they how they prevent that but whatever or they could go the other way and say, all right, guys, listen, you guys are not getting a hint here. We're shutting it down. Like, you guys ain't betting at all. Now, I don't know, you know, how that uh, from a from a union standpoint or legally, I, I don't know, workplace rules, I don't know how they can enforce that or, or if that's even enforceable. But I, but I, that that's possible, too. I think everything's on the table. I don't know where this is going to go and, and which way, but I think – I think it could be either one because they. this is becoming, this is certainly more prevalent than they ever want to admit. So it'll be interesting, though. But you I, make a good point.
1: I think you, you mess with the integrity of the game, and, and, and that is something that owners and the league takes really,
0: really seriously. Yeah, I don't I disagree, mean, but what I'm saying is. They looked into
1: deflated footballs seemingly Kevin, for I a total, decade.
0: I totally agree, but what I'm saying is our distance of what we feel comfortable with to consider it in tampering with the integrity of the game that that goal line keeps moving right
2: well here's here's the thing i mean here's the thing here, here's what i'd say I, I agree but in the end the saudi and excuse me the live and pga issue that really boiled down to okay the the money we can all make money more money if we do this right so ultimately it was a financial decision right and and here when Kevin's point about integrity of the game is also a financial decision, right? Because the, the betting, the the online betting is making a lot of money for the league. If that's ever undermined at all, even just in appearance, then that could affect their bottom line. So that's a financial decision too, to some degree, if that makes sense. So, so I do think ultimately there's money's a motivating factor in multiple ways here. And, and that's what it boils down to. It, it doesn't boil down to, I think optics as much as just what's going to affect us financially. So I don't know. It'll be interesting.
1: Steven, thanks for hanging in for a few more minutes with us there. I know we kept it pretty long and uh, we'll see you later today. All right, guys. Well, Haskett going to join us here in a few from PJ tour radio. Um, looking forward to getting his thoughts on everything that transpired here over the past. Twenty-four hours. Pretty good day for Will. I know he uh, filled in from noon to three. Pretty good day to have him in that seat, right?
0: Yeah, I don't know what happened all of a sudden. I couldn't hear you, but you got, you got yeah, I would say when you're talking about you your golf and. Thanks, man just the business inner workings of golf there would be few who know better Kevin which is why he is a timely guest for us this morning as well right very
1: timely Will Haskett joins us now Will I've got 1,000 questions so appreciate the time here and I know um outstanding job yesterday from noon to three uh, you and Jimmy I thought handled it very well and of course your knowledge uh, second to none here from a station standpoint um, your level of st- done shock when you saw everything transpire on cnbc of all places yesterday around 10 o'clock
3: yeah i mean i got i said on there yesterday i got a text from scott agnes that was like hey what's going on with the tour or something along those lines like can you believe this or something like that and i mean i wasn't on i didn't have cnbc tuned in i didn't have a rolling scroll of social media on and i was like what are you talking about you know i mean this was something that had no smoke. You know, this wasn't anything where insiders were top players were half the actual policy board, like anybody knew. So everybody coming to grips with it at the exact same time with no leak, with no advanced story, with no anything is stunning in the first place. Like no matter what the level of story is, and then to have it be this kind of out of the blue and what is, you know, sort of, I guess pitched as a resolution um, and a path forward was was shocking also. So, yeah, I mean, it was total stunned. I mean, if it had happened while I was on the air yesterday, I don't really know how I would have been able to process it. Thankfully, it happened two hours before we had the show, um, and we quickly were able to pivot from – three hours of mock trade scenarios for the Pacers to, hey, look, I get to talk about golf and Indy in the middle of the
1: It seems like, Will, to use an Indy 500 analogy, we're on like lap two of 200 in terms of yeah. ironing out the details of what exactly this is all going to look like. As best you understand it, we are looking at a Saudi-funded PGA Tour or we're looking at a totally separate golf league uh, on top of the PGA Tour, with who in control? Is it the PGA Tour Policy Board, or is it the Saudis with uh, Yasser? All I forget how to pronounce his last name. Uh, the governor of the Public Investment Fund uh, as the chairman and the ultimate controller of it.
3: Yeah, so it's. I think it's more of the formal the former. The only thing that really and Jay Monahan talked about this yesterday with his limited press availability after the Players Meeting, which. Uh, to be a fly on the wall in that room would have been um, unbelievable. But the the only thing he said is that they have a framework agreement. And the main crux of reaching the agreement in the first place was merely to end their mutual sort of litigation against one another, the various lawsuits and antitrust suits that have been filed and everything. And that everything else is still to be sort of worked out. And that framework still has to be voted on and approved. So, yeah, when you say we're on lap, you know, two. I mean, I don't even know if we've necessarily started the race to having what 2024 is going to look like, and so it's it's leading to sort of wild speculation. You're reading between the lines, like whose name was or wasn't mentioned in press releases, how they're sort of structuring it. But it seems to me, if you read uh, based off the press release, that there's going to be a for-profit combined entity between so the PGA Tour, the PIF or Live Golf as it's structured right now, and the DP World Tour. And that for profit entity is going to handle a number of sort of the marketing and money and rights holding sort of bases that is able to, I guess, profit off of the professional game of golf. But the PGA Tour, as a 501c6 nonprofit organization with all of its independently run tournaments and schedule, is still going to be run by the PGA Tour. It's just this for profit entity that has all of the influx. Now, what how much of that money trickles down to support the PGA Tour's model you know that's all business stuff that you know I don't really know about but it seems to me that it the PGA Tour has maintained much of its own level of control of its tournament and its schedule while also creating this very beneficial combined group that is going to help fund a lot of things and and that's probably leads to a follow-up question of why that was necessary. And again, I think the ending the litigation and sort of the disruption in the game seemed to be the motivating factor from both sides. And then I think both of them were then also equally motivated to try and find a way to save or fix their products moving forward. The PGEs who are running out of money. And I think PIF recognizing that live was just not being accepted as a viable golf option. And, trying to find a way to sort of more legitimize their investment in the game of professional golf.
0: Well, I, I look, let's go back to this. I mentioned this earlier. Will Haskett is our guest on the Payless Cigars Hotline. For me personally, and I'm I'm offering this only for the probably less than 50% of our audience who are in the same boat as me, which is, um, you know, golf viewer, but not necessarily diehard every event fan right Mm -hmm. the i know what the racing open wheel split did in diluting the product for the average fan and hurting long-term the fan base now it's a little different because that split was multi-years as opposed to this which is all developed kind of quickly but nonetheless there was a clear divide for years there of like well that guy's a cart driver that guy's an indie car driver and then other people like wait a minute, what the hell's the difference anyway between the two etc cetera, etc cetera. Does golf run that risk at this point? Two-part question. So the first is, does confusion now run as a risk towards golf's fan base? No, I I think a lot of the motivation for these sides
3: coming together is that they didn't want to get so far down the rabbit hole of confusing the fan base and splintering that what we've recognized so far in 2023 is that the majors, which again, a majority of the people listening to this interview are probably only watching the majors from a golf fan standpoint anyway, but that the majors became infinitely more important to the product of men's professional golf, because it's the only time you are going to see all the top players in the world playing against one another. And so in that regard, other PGA tour tournaments and even live golf to an extent, couldn't maximize their draws for the PGA Tour. They couldn't satisfy sponsor and broadcast right holders' wishes because you couldn't see Brooks Koepka in a PGA Tour event. You couldn't see Dustin Johnson or Bryson DeChambeau or Phil Mickelson in a PGA Tour event. And I think Liv also expected to be able to get every single big name over to their product, and that didn't happen either. And so to avoid year after year diluting your own product by not having the best fields, this again agreement in principle opens the door back to allowing the the two main long-standing tours the PGA tour and the DP world tour to have these players come back and play and what that means for the rest of live I think is still a very important question like is it going to be a 14 tournament series next year is it going to get down to you know a, a a five or six event what's going to be like, I feel like its future is much more up in the air in terms of what its schedule looks like than the other existing tours. And so the idea is that they get ahead of this recognizing that professional golf outside of the four majors was not going to have an audience. And one of the things that I always think about is, and I'm not, I'm not in, um, Informed enough to talk about the world of tennis, but a lot of people in golf talk about tennis and the fact that outside of the four majors in tennis every year, the best players in the world kind of splinter all around the globe and play, you know, three different tournaments in the same week. You know, one's in DC and maybe one's in Madrid and then one's somewhere in Thailand. And outside of the majors, you never get to see all the best tennis players together. And some people who I trust say that it's kind of hurt tennis as a global sport having that. And golf just did not really get down that road where its best players were being asked to choose one way or the other
0: okay so the other question then will is do you believe it will hurt golf's long-term popularity in this country or even short-term popularity in the fact that we have a sector of the population that utilizes sports to escape the nonstop chatter of politics i'm only going by what people told me when they were deciding not to watch the nfl and the nba they didn't want politics in their sports right now we have a sport that is being run and bought by one of the biggest depending on who you listen to political opponents of the ideology of the foundation of this country is that going to hurt golf
3: it's a great
0: question um
3: I talked about yesterday on the air. I mean, Middle Eastern money is coming and yeah, I think the only impenetrable bubble to that right now would probably be the NFL. Um, I don't know how long it's going to take until you have, you know, the PIF or, I mean, it's, it's a head story on ESPN.com today that the Glazers might sell to a Qatari prince for Man United. You know, I mean, it's, it's already in soccer it's already in f1 it's already in a, a number of different places around the world and cash rules but i was told, um, that, yeah, I was that, told so that i was told that this I country
0: know. we have morals well we have principle right we we don't we don't, don't buy into no we're capitalist first i mean let's be honest. i mean of course on. i mean i'm obviously you realize i'm i'm being i know you on. are yeah yeah i know I, there look if
3: I, I think the pga tour tried to play to both sides was there enough corporate sponsorship money to then still also do the right thing. But at the end of the day, you know, many of these players want whatever they feel like their market value is. And I think that live in inflated what many of their market values are, but it also um, identified the reality that these players maybe weren't being compensated fairly compared to the rest of these giant organizations that they're trying to uphold. And then, yeah, I mean, from where the money is coming from, Sure, there are going to be plenty of people that have that issue, but uh, I said this history in the air. Um, You know, golf is always catered to the rich, the wealthy, uh, an older demographic. You know, eventually capitalism sort of wins out in our society, and I don't necessarily think that golf's core audience is going to be turned off by the concept of money.
1: Again, Will Haskett with us from PJ Tour Radio. Well, I was sharing some text yesterday with a guy who's ranked top 100 in the world, and he mentioned, and you have mentioned this a few times throughout this segment, that this still has to be voted on by the board members. I mean, do you think there's a possibility this could be voted down by the board members? It just
3: depends what the structure is. I mean, if the structure is, hey, this is our tournament schedule next year, and it's going to have you know this number of designated events, and the purse sizes are going to this it kind of goes back to Jake's question by what are you going to, if you vote it down, what are you voting against? You're voting against playing opportunities with more money. You're voting against your uh, livelihood for, I mean, on, on the basis of moral grounds, on the basis of, we weren't told about this at the very beginning. I I understand that that makes a lot of um, emotional sense in the moment. But if, if the, if the, if the motivation yesterday was truly to save the structure of the PGA Tour the way that it was and maintain the same level of playing opportunities with more money, I just can't see a majority of the players being like, oh, yeah, I say about no to this. We want to go back to the old way where we were literally running on reserves to try and stay afloat in this competitive landscape. I, it's, it, it's a tough pill to swallow, I think, for a guy who maybe isn't a top 20 or 30 player in the world, but then when you really step back and think about it, it's like, well, I want to be to that level, and if I get to that level, it's great, and this is the only way that supports an opportunity for me to go and play for millions of dollars every week. I just don't, I don't, I don't know what the alternative is that they're going to come up with. So I, I think over the long course of time when there's actually a tangible plan in place, that yeah i think that they're not, they're gonna vote for it i think it's very easy to have a knee-jerk reaction to not being told anything yesterday which is a completely justifiable um anger but it's gonna be months before there's something for them to even consider and at that point in time their livelihood and their long-term survivability is probably more at the front of their mind than how they felt they were treated yesterday
1: well i always ask you kind of a stupid tiger woods question so i'll apologize sure. up front for it but uh, i'm sure you have a feeling that it, w- it was coming um all right, uh, better no, he's not
3: playing in the U.S. Open next week. He's not; <laughs> uh, he's, he's still recovering from surgery.
1: I cannot wait for LACC next week. Uh, better chance Tiger finishes top five in another major in his life, or the public investment fund owns an NFL team in the next two decades.
3: Oh wow, um, two decades is a pretty wide margin. I'll, I'll say the I'll say the latter to that one. Um, two decades is a long time. I mean, I brought this up on the air yesterday. I mean, if if you are the Ursays and you decide you want to sell tomorrow and your market value is five and the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia offers you 10. Sure. You walk into the meeting with your fellow owners and you and they're like, we're going to turn this down out of principle. It's like, you'd be furious if you're the Ursay family. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that they wouldn't or wouldn't. I mean, this is just me you know, speculating with that. It could totally happen. That's a drop in the bucket to them.
1: I think and the NFL saw, like, will the hold on longest. Fail. I think the NFL will hold, will hold on longest. But Major League Baseball, I, I could see it happening, uh, hell, in the next five years.
3: I mean, I said yesterday in the air, too, it's like if if the P- public investment fund decided that they think they could make a significant amount of money with an investment in the NHL, they could probably buy the entire NHL right now if they wanted to. I mean, they can, you know what I'm saying? They can go to every single owner, and they have the cash to be able to make that happen. Like, I mean, just think about that for a second um, it'd be it'd be crazy so yes I believe that there are enough billionaires who recognize they can make a lot more money in the NFL and that sort of boys club to steal a, a worse phrase is probably as tight as anyone could be but if they want to outbid you they can outbid you
0: you know Will to me and this is the cynic in me the I agree with your statement golf we'll use golf as the example golf is a sport that largely, and Tiger Woods gets a lot of credit, obviously, for expanding the horizons of golf, but traditionally speaking, golf was a sport that was dominated by people who liked it because it was the sport of the exhibition of wealth, or of capitalism, or of money, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yet, a lot of those players, when they got done playing golf, liked to have a cigar and a drink because they loved the fact that they were able to show that they lived in the financial, most powerful country in the world. And now they basically are saying, well, I mean, it's cool that the Saudis are going to take over our sport because they're going to do it everywhere. And yet that shows right there that that exhibition they believed in is now a myth. Yeah, well, I think
3: a big part of it, though, Jake, is it's the concession of the reality. It's, right, that's what I mean. You know, a year a year ago right now, we were we're in it. Like, we're going to go to all the sponsors, and we're going to put our hand out and say, look, we need, we need to double up because it's the only way we're going to be able to compete. And I will say this for Jay Monahan's sake. Like, he said from the very beginning, like, we cannot financially compete. But we're going to do our darndest to create a product that at least entices our players to stay for the right reasons. And we didn't even make it. We made it almost exactly one year to the week that everything kind of blew up last year. And they started to realize it was untenable with the legal fees, with the additional purses, with all of the expenses that were sort of coming down. And this is sort of the only way forward to try and keep the sport kind of afloat. And, yeah, you're right. You're resigned to it. And I would love to sit here on a moral high ground box and say that there's a way forward, and that everybody should say no. But again, the money sort of talks, and to sort of go back full totally. circle, like, I-, I get I would, it. I would, ha- and I would hate it if the PIF came and bought one of our Indianapolis franchises. But you know, hey KB, if if the Saudis bought the Colts and then they rolled out a six hundred million dollar contract to DeAndre Hopkins to give us some wide receiver help, would you be okay with that? You know no. what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's like I have to play some Ballard <laughs> audio for that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean it's it, it's such a weird weird time to be alive as a sports fan
1: yeah that's that's well said well if you don't mind I've got two two quick ones hopefully before we um, before we uh, hang up and appreciate the the time you've been outstanding um this might be a dumb question if Brooks Kepka doesn't almost win the Masters and then win the PJ championship does this happen as soon as it's happened?
3: I don't think so because, according to Jay Monahan, they've been meeting for seven weeks to sort of broker all of this.
1: Right, and seven weeks goes back to the Masters. I'm just, I I don't know, I'm kind of, maybe I'm giving Brooks too much credit, but it seemed like that gave some credence, credence to live at a time when the ratings weren't there, players were you know, behind the scenes whispering about, ah, I don't know if I love it, people in their structure were leaving their organization, et cetera, et cetera.
3: I think it just showcased that it was, how divided the sport was beyond those weeks you know we've talked about on the show before i mean i don't think brooks was up there waving a live flag sure it just was then after the after the fact people are like well man it kind of stinks that these are the only weeks we're able to see this and i think both sides recognize that you know i think that that's what needs to kind of be this isn't necessarily like live has won and has bought the pga tour or, or fully at the PGA tour is coming in with their tail between their legs. I do believe that they've both said, look, we don't believe that we can survive effectively moving forward our own separate ways and they came to the table and figured out a way at least in principle to try and make this a go together
1: yeah a bit of a knife to a gunfight okay uh and then last last one the schedule moving forward for the PJ tour as best you are to guess about it are we thinking more global more team events more 54 hole events we're not touching the majors is that kind of the general thought here uh,
3: my thought is nothing changes in the PGA Tour schedule the way that they were going to build it moving forward next year, which is this combination of you know three non-designated events and then two designated events. The the only question that I think is the larger one is is how large is Live schedule and then how does it work? Because if you're now in this partnership, like I can't I can't foresee a scenario where the PGA Tour and Live have two full field or full events sort of running next to each other. So does it become? an exhibition in the fall does it become a um you know does do you work in some sort of weeks to sort of do it these are all um, huge questions that we just don't know but in listening to the words the commissioner said last night i think it's you would expect to see the same pga tour schedule maybe not may not be 44 events next year but upper 30s to around 40 tournaments and then figuring out a way for live um, who a lot of these players are taking victory laps on Liv, and there's, there was nothing mentioned yesterday on their social media channels or through those press releases that gives us any assurance that Liv even exists next year. So, I mean, I, who knows on that one? But I, right now it feels that the PGA Tour schedule is far more locked into being very similar to what it was going to look like than anything from the Liv golf standpoint.
0: $600, 600 million seems rich for DeAndre Hopkins, Right.
3: Sure, but I mean, you got when you're literally making a billion dollars a day in interest. (laughs) Does it really matter?
1: I I mean, two hundred million seemed rich for Phil Mickelson and Bryson
0: DeChambeau, et cetera.
1: Will, terrific, terrific. Yesterday, noon to three. Terrific with us right now. Appreciate that.
0: See you guys.